Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Well, uh, I want to talk about flowing in God's favor and if you, uh, if you have your Bibles, take them out, turn them on, whatever you got to do to get the word in front of you. If you don't have them, it'll be on the screens, the scriptures that I'm using today. But I want to talk about flowing in favor. I've spoken on favor twice in the last 12 months, and uh, I seem to keep coming back to this idea of favor because favor can open doors that you cannot open for yourself. God's favor can change your life in a moment's instance. And so I want to read to you what David prayed. It's a prayer of David in Psalm 119.58. He said this, he said, with all my heart, I want to win your favor. Let's read that out loud like we're praying it to the Lord as well. With all my heart, I want to win your favor. This is something you should pray every day of your life. God, I want your favor. God, give me your favor. You know you can win God's favor. That's scriptural. You can grow in God's favor. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in favor with both man and God. So favor is something that you can win. It's something that you can grow in. So God, I want to win your favor. I always say one ounce of favor will take you further than a lifetime of labor. Favor, man, opens a door and all of a sudden everything changes. Meeting the right person. That's why I believe in networking. If you, you know, you don't like to net one, meeting one person, one person can radically change your life forever. And so I want to talk about favor because favor, it takes you farther than money can take you. It takes you farther than education or your skill set. Favor, it opens doors that would otherwise not be open favor it take you from the background to the foreground god's favor it gives you an advantage in life that other people don't have and you want to win god's favor because god's plans for your life are far too big to be accomplished on your own you have to have god's favor and so your skills your talents your gifts your personality your looks your background It's all great, but nothing will take you as far as God's favor, right? What God can do in one hour can advance your life 30 years down the road. What God can do in one hour. And so he says, I want to win your faith, God, with all my heart. Let me win your favor. This is the same prayer that Jabez prayed. He prayed. There's this guy in the Old Testament. His name Jabez. Jabez. Somebody say Jabez. Jabez and Jabez is listed in the middle of 600 names genealogy. Have you ever read genealogies in the Bible? It's like so-and-so had Travis and Travis had so-and-so and and -and so-and-so and it just keeps, it's like 600 of those. But in the middle of 600 names listed, Jabez is not only mentioned, but he gets two verses in the Bible, right? That's what favor does. It makes you stand out in a crowd. Favor, it puts the spotlight on you. And this is the story of Jabez. He prayed for favor. I want to read it to you in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me 
indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. And then it says, so God granted him what he had requested. So I love these two verses because they're talking about God's favor, right? He says, God bless me. Give me your favor. God enlarge my territory. Expand the things in my life. God enlarge my influence. Enlarge my affluence. God, that your hand would be with me. Keep me from the evil one. And don't let me cause anybody pain. So for the next two weekends, I want to talk about God's favor. I want to talk about three points today, three keys to winning God's favor. And then next week, I'm going to talk about another three, maybe four. So even though your outline today says it's five keys, I'm going to look at three keys today. And so uh, we're going to dig into this uh, number one way. Number one way. How do I get God's favor? Number one way is that favor follows obedience. Okay, obedience. Say that word, obedience, obedience. When you obey, flavor and favor flows your way. It does. When you obey his favor, it flows your way. This is all throughout the Bible. You guys, this is beginning to the end. This is Genesis. This is all the way to Revelation. All 66 books in the Bible. By the way, it's Revelation. Somebody say Revelation. Revelation. It's not Revelations. It's a revelation. It's 22 books, 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. But it was a revelation that a guy named John had. He was left uh, for dead. They thought they killed him on the island of Patmos. And while he was laying there, uh, they thought he was dying. God gave him a revelation about the end time. Okay, and so that's the book of Revelation. But from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, we... See that when you obey flavor and favor, it flows your way. When you obey God's word. Now I want to read some of this to you because in Deuteronomy 28, uh, there is a passage. It's God speaking to Israel. And this is what he says. He says, if you fully obey the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 28.1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands, he says, The Lord your God will set you high above the nations on the earth. So God has all these promises to Israel. That's why, you know, the U.S. has always sided and tried to be an alliance and back Israel. Israel is God's chosen nation. It's his special chosen nation. Israel is his chosen nation. And it always has been. And he has these promises. This is a study for another time. But he's speaking to Israel. In Deuteronomy 28, the whole chapter, he's speaking to Israel. And he said, look, if you fully obey my commands, if you carefully follow my teachings, my commandments that I give you, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. So then it goes on to say, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, let me see if anybody recognizes this next part okay this next part you might recognize if you've attended our church for more than a year you'll recognize this part if you've not attended for more than you probably you might not but he goes on and he says you will be blessed in the city you will be blessed in the field you will be blessed when you come and when you go you you guys remember this song right 
this little blessed song that we sang. And so he sang, you will be blessed. You will be blessed in the city. You will be blessed in the field. You will be blessed when you come and when you go. That's a good job, you guys. are pretty good. Pretty good. I just kind of sprung that one on you. These guys don't even need to rehearse. You know that? They just, they're just so good. They just go for it. They really do. All right, well, let's go then. Take us there. Come on, let's just let's have a little fun. Need a little organ solo here. guys a round of applause. They're so great. So with that, I want to open in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this day. We pray that you would speak to us. God, that you would speak through me. And uh, God, just use the word of God today to enrich our souls, to encourage our spirits, God, to just uh, speak to us, change us, challenge us at the same time, Father. We love you. God, today, It's Father's Day. We're thankful for all of the fathers. We're thankful, most importantly, for our Heavenly Father. And today we say, Happy Father's Day to you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Amen. One more round of applause for our worship team. They are... So, you know, uh, I'm going to try to get Keith to come back and sing that song next week. I'm going to see if if you don't know what we're talking about, get ready. Okay, get get ready, because it's going to be... A, a, a parte. If, if Keith, Keith's a police officer and he sings this song, Blessed. It's written by Fred Hammond. And so if you just can't wait until next Sunday, you can find Fred Hammond and you can listen to this song. But it's called Blessed. And God has given us the prescription. He has given us the guidelines for what living a life of blessing looks like. So I love Deuteronomy 28 because this is what it says. He says, Jeremy, if... You do this, Jeremy. Now, I'm serious now. Listen, if you do this, Jeremy, God says, then I will do this, Jeremy. Right? That's the Bible. The Bible is not like you can go live like hell and do whatever you want. And you're like, but God's going to bless me. Right? That's what we think. We think, well, I can just go do. God is such a good God. He he understands I'm human. So I can just go out and live however I want to live. And God will bless me. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is a book of promises that are predicated on a set of, of, let's say it like this, premises. Right? So there's a book of promises that is built on the premise of you obeying what God asks you to do. So God says, if you this, then I will that. It's all throughout scripture. And so he's talking here about blessing. 
Israel, if you do this, I will bless you. Impact Church, if you follow the ways of the word, if you follow the teachings of the Bible, I will bless you. You will have favor on your life. In fact, it says in Deuteronomy 26, 13, I love this scripture. He says, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord that I give you this day and you carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never the bottom. I love that scripture. I'll make you the head, not the tail. Look at somebody next to you and tell them you don't have to be the booty no more. You can be the head, right? All you got to do is start walking in the ways of God. Now, the Bible is a book of blessings. It really is. Some people think it's a book of bummers. I know that. It's like, oh, what a killjoy. I have to, I have to never commit adultery. Life sucks, man. Like, what a bummer. I can't kill somebody. I mean, I, man, that's just a bummer, right? But the Bible is a book of blessings. And the more you walk in the ways of the word, the more blessings you have on your life. If you live by it, if you obey it, You will have so much blessing, so much favor on your life that you won't know what to do with all of it. In fact, the closer you follow God's word, the closer you are to Christ, the more of God's favor you will have in your life, right? The more of God's favor and the happier you will be in life. I know that we think that happiness comes through the things of this world, right? That's what we think as humans, maybe not this service at impact church you are the super christians but for the for the for the for the common person in the world it's like man happiness must come through money it must come through success it must come through a relationship it must come from a boy or a girl and we go searching on this quest for happiness which is another name for blessings but the bible says that happy comes from obedience blessing comes from obedience. And so uh, I'll read this verse to you, another word of David. He said in Psalm 128, verse 1, he said, Happy are those who obey the Lord, who live by his commands. So, you know, I've said this before, but imagine how much happier the world would be if we never broke any of God's commandments. Right? I mean, how much happier would the world be if we never lied, if we never cheated, if you never lost your temper, if you never used your words to destroy others, to demean others, to tear them down? And so the Bible, it's a book of favor and it's a book of freedom. And there's instructions that if we follow God's word, he will bless us. Now, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, There is this crazy story. To me personally, it's one of the craziest stories in the Bible. It is the story of Abraham being asked by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. Right? So here's the the backstory. Abraham and Sarah, they wanted a baby so bad. And God promised them a baby. I am going to give you a child, Abraham. I am going to give you a child, Sarah. But they couldn't have a baby. They never had a baby. That promise was decades old. Decades, man. We still don't have a baby. We still don't have a baby. Still don't have a baby. So finally, Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah is 90. And they get pregnant and they have a baby. Wouldn't that be awesome at 90 years old to find out that you're pregnant? That would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so they have this baby 
named Isaac. Now, this is the interesting part of the story. It's finally, it's finally here. God gave me what we've been wanting, what he promised, what we've been longing for. I now have baby Isaac. And baby Isaac grows into probably a young teenager. And God says, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac your one and only son. And I want you to take him and sacrifice him. I mean, it's a crazy story, right? It's almost like the story about Father God and Jesus Christ that he gave up his one and only son. For you and I, it's very similar. And he says, I want you to sacrifice your son. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not doing that. I have a one and only son. His name is Josiah. We call him Jojo. He's like my everything. He's my homie. He's my best friend. He's my boy. He's everything. Like, I love Jojo. And if God was like, I need you to sacrifice your son, I'll be like, I'm not really doing that one, (laughs) you know? I mean, I love you, Lord, but nope, I'm not doing that one. And then that's such a wild request. Wouldn't you be like, that is not the Lord. That is the devil talking to me. Isn't it weird that it's so hard to distinguish? Is that the voice of God? Is that the voice of the devil? Is that the voice of my own self? Is that the bad pizza that I ate last night? Like, what am I understanding here? Right? He he says, sacrifice your only son. And so Abraham, without question, he takes his son and he gets all the materials to make an altar. We just sang, oh, come to the altar. And he says, make this altar. And they're walking up the hill. And he's got Isaac carrying some of the stuff. He's carrying some of the stuff. They get closer. And Isaac's like, yo, daddy. So I see all the wood and the fire and all that. But, like, where's the actual sacrifice? Right? He's just like, this is Trav's paraphrased version of the Bible. He's like, boy, shut up. That'll come in due time. You know? And they get to the, they get to the top. They make this altar. And he straps his son to the altar. And the Bible says he takes out his knife and he's about to take his son's life. And right in the nick of time, right in the moment where it mattered the most, as we're going to sing next week, late in the midnight hour, that God's going to turn it around. And God says, Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a finger on the boy. Listen to this. He says, For now I know what you love the most. Now I know where your loyalties stand. Is anybody else hot in here? It is so hot. The devil has been jacking with their AC units all week. I'm serious. So I don't know. You know, was it the devil that broke our AC units? Or was it the fact that we just live in like a second category of hell? And it's just... (laughs) 192 degrees and it just can't they can't work they just don't work fast enough or hard enough this is our first summer in this building I don't know I'm thankful for the building even if it's hot I mean it's it's okay with me and I want I want to draw your attention to 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 this to this story for a minute And, and and this is what it says in verses 15 through 18 so Abraham obeys and this is what he says Genesis 22, 15 through 18, he says, the angel of the Lord said, because you have done this, remember the premise and the promise, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all the nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. 
Favor follows obedience. I know some of you might think today, well, man, I don't really obey God's word, Jeremy, but I follow God and I have God's favor. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really obey the word, but man, I noticed this favor on my, there's this favor on my life, PT. I mean, I don't, you might be here today. You're not even saved yet. You haven't even surrendered your life to Christ. You're like, man, but I'm good. My health is good. My marriage is good. My family's good. My finances are good. Everything's good. So I don't know what you mean, PT. I don't obey, but I have favor in my life. Let me just say this. Some of you are still living off the favor of a loved one in your life. Some of you are living off the favor of a praying mama or a praying grandmama in your life. Some of you are living off somebody else's blessing. But I can tell you one thing. That blessing, it will come to an end in your own life if you don't surrender your will to the will of God. God's favor comes through obedience in Christ. You can give it up for Jesus. This is his word. Let's look at number two. Number two is favor follows the humble hearted. It follows those who are humble, walking in humility, Jeremy. And it's always that person that sits in the front row that is just a perfect person to pick on. I mean, you know, you know, I love you. Just want you to get right with God, but I love you. If y'all knew the backstory, Jeremy's a pastor's kid from Colorado. And y'all know pastor's kids are the worst. I mean, this. this. So Matthew 5, 5, Jesus said these words. Remember, these are in the Beatitudes. Somebody say Beatitudes. Attitudes we ought to be. There are eight of them. It's in the first sermon that Jesus ever preached. It's in the Sermon of the Mount. But he starts with the Beatitudes. And he says, blessed if you will this. And blessed if you will that. Okay, And this is one of them. He says this in Matthew 5, 5. He says, God blesses those people who are humble. The earth will belong to them. So I got a lot of hate a couple weeks ago. Because I posted two post-game interviews on my Instagram. And one post-game interview, this was during the Lakers series. And one post-game interview was Chris Paul. And he was like, well, I just want to thank God. Man, I'm a man of prayer. My mama, my daddy's praying. And I just thanking God. And then, then there was another interview with LeBron. And LeBron was like, well... I got shoulders this big for a reason. I'm going to have to carry the team. I'm going to have to do more. If I have to do more, I'm going to put the whole team. If I have to carry the whole, if I, if I, if I, if I. And I'm not saying LeBron's not amazing. He is. I'm not even saying LeBron's not God-fearing because I've heard that he is. I don't, I, I don't know him personally. I've met him. I don't know him personally. I know some of his best friends. Okay. But what I love about this verse is it says that God blesses those who are humble, who are humble, who walk in humility. And then he says, the earth will belong to them. Okay, I want to talk about what humility is for a minute because the Bible also says this in 1 Peter 5. He says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Okay, so here's the opposite of humility is what? Pride. 
right? Pride divides. Pride, it destroys people. Pride, it destroys nations. It destroys communities. What happens is we put up these walls of pride. Pride destroys marriages, right? I can't say I'm sorry. You're the one that's always wrong. I wish you were more like me. You drive me crazy. You're the problem, not me. Right? That's what pride does. Oh, I wish they would parent like I parent because I'm God's gift of parenting. And if only my husband knew that, then maybe our children would be a little bit better off. That's what pride does. Pride seeps its way into our lives. The Bible says that the devil, Satan, used to be an angel, a worship leader for other angels. And he one day decided he could become as powerful as God. He said, you know what? I have all the same powers that God does. And then in the Bible, in the book of Luke, it says that like a flash of lightning, it says Lucifer fell from the sky. Remember the verse in Proverbs 18, it says pride comes before what? A fall or pride comes before destruction. So humility is one of the most important building blocks for your life. Many marriages, many relationships, they fall, they end in destruction because of pride. Even normal, some of you today haven't spoken to a family member in years or decades because of pride. Well, I don't want to call them they this, or I don't want to call them they that. It is a wall of pride, and pride always divides. Pride means I can't compromise. I can't see it any other way than my way. And so it ends in a fall. It ends in death. That's what pride does. So humility, it brings the favor of God. Humility is a difficult trait to learn because as I've mentioned before, we are born into a selfish nature, right? When you're a baby and you're born, everything is about who? (laughs) You, the baby, right? The baby. It's like Natalie and I, we're in love. We're three years married. It's all about each other. It's me. It's her. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's just go have good time. It's just us. And then you have a baby and her name is Kylie and she's now 20. But when she was born, now everything is about that baby. If that baby cries, we got to do something about it. That baby needs something in the middle of the night. We got to do something about it. They get a little bigger. They start crawling. What do we do? Yeah, great job. That was the most amazing crawl of any baby in the whole history of babies. You are amazing, right? And then they get into sports and they're playing t-ball or basketball or peewee league, football or whatever. They're terrible, but we're like, yes, you are amazing, right? They grow up a little bit. My daughter, Jazzy, she's 11. She's still, daddy, watch me do this. Watch me do that. Watch me, watch me, watch me. And everything is about you. So we have to unlearn selfishness. And we have to learn selflessness. We have to unlearn how to be selfish because we're grown into a selfish, born into a selfish nature. And then we develop and that selfish nature is continued to be fostered. Okay, some adults are just grown babies, right? It's true. Some people, social media is just like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. We don't. We don't mind looking at you. I don't know if I want to see you eight times a day. You know, I don't know if I want to see you all the time. Okay. Now, I want to address something because I've said this before and I know there's some confusion because I've said, um, you know, there's a lot of people on Instagram that post themselves like half naked. 
And some of you guys are like fitness trainers, fitness models. Some of you are like, uh, I don't know, you're in that field. Uh, I'm not talking to you, necessarily. I'm talk- Listen, I'm talking to the fishers. Do you know what fishers are? I'm not talking like if you're a bodybuilder and you're, you know, you're, you're, that's your whole life. That's your job. If you're a trainer, that's your life. That's your job. That's what you do. Of course, you're going to put your, your, you know, your product your, is yourself. It's like, look at like, boom, I'm jacked. It's, I understand. That's what I would do the same thing. You know, like, look at how swole I am. I am spiritually swole and I'm full of the swoley ghost, you know. You know what's funny to me is some of you are so hard. Your heart is so hard. You come to church. We like to have a great time here. I always say church should be, church should not suck. Church should be fun. We should have a great time. You know, we all grew up in churches that were painfully boring. And church should not be like, we serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's, Jesus was risen from the dead. I mean, this is a God-sized party every week. But... You know, some of you still so hard, even everybody's laughing and you're like. (laughs) Like your face might crack. Like just have fun, man. It's okay. It's okay. Do you guys see that little kid at the Suns game take his shirt off? Yeah. I'm ready for that at church. Just you get so happy in the Lord, you just guys, only guys. Please, only guys. No, not even guys. I'm joking. Humility. One of the things I love most about God's word is that he not only gives us the material, but he gives us a model. He doesn't just give us instruction. He gives us an example. And the example is Christ himself, right? Christ says, I want you to be humble, but I want to show you what humility looks like. I want you to walk in humility But I want to show you, by my living example, what humility looks like. That's the ultimate sign of a leader when they don't just tell you what to do, but they show you what to do. And so Jesus, he says, I came in this world not to be served, but to serve others. Right? That's the heart of worship. That's the heart is service. I'm not here to be served By anybody, he said, I'm here to serve you. You remember he got down on his knees and he went around and he washed the feet of his disciples. That is an act of service. That is an act of humility. See, in today's day, we have it flipped upside down. We say the higher you go, the more successful you are, the more uh, clout, the more fame, the more fortune. We must be here to serve you. You are amazing. You are everything. But Jesus was the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And he said, no, 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 no. It is about humility. It's about serving others. If you're a business owner, you ought to show your employees how to be a true servant of the Most High. You ought to serve them well, not just make them serve you well. If you're a supervisor, you show your employees how to serve by how you serve and you watch how it changes the culture of your corporation. Watch how it changes the culture of your team. Everything is backwards today. 
It's all about me, 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 me. This is why, you know, pro athletes end up having a hard time with this because, you know, from a little boy, everybody's watching you. Little girl, watching you, 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 you. You get climb up into high school. It's all about you. You're the star. You're amazing. And then if you go collegiate or become pro, it's really about you. It's all about you. And what happens is one day they have an identity crisis because the fame goes away. And the seven-figure contracts go away. And they start going, yo, like, what is this life about? And actually, who am I? Because I used to be a football player my whole life, but now I don't play anymore. I used to be a basketball player. And see, that's the problem with a lot of us is we put our identity in what we do instead of what we are. We put our identity in our success, in our zip code, in our looks, in the confidence is not established in the Lord. So this is what he says in Philippians 2. It's a whole passage where Jesus models this. Look at this with me in Philippians 2. He says, don't push your way to the front. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Boy, that alone would change the world, would it not? Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. He says, think of yourselves the way Jesus thought of himself. He was God, but he took on the status of a slave or another translation, a servant. An incredibly humbly, humbling process. He didn't claim, to, uh, didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfish, obedient life. It goes on to say that he humbled himself so much as to die on a cross for the sins of humanity. He didn't claim special privileges. Listen, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but somebody does because I've been noticing more and more that we live in a world of entitled people. We live in a world, and especially, listen, I want to speak to this next generation because I got like a whole row of young adults that usually sit in the first two or three rows. This this world, this is not about you. Look at somebody and tell them that right now. It's not about you. It's not about you. It is not about serving yourself. I am entitled to nothing. I am entitled to nothing. Listen, this is so important because as Americans, listen, we think we've got it so bad. I know America has had it bad. We've been through some stuff. I'm not saying as Americans we don't have problems and issues because we do. But we don't have it nearly as bad as about 80% of the world that we live in. We don't. We don't. Okay, we don't. So, so, so if you've never lived or been or traveled anywhere except for the USA, you would not know this. And that's one of the reasons we have a heart for global missions as well as local missions Okay, foreign and domestic is because we go down into Nicaragua with our missions teams. We build houses. We started a church. I don't know if you guys know that. We have Impact Church Nicaragua. It's called Impacto Nicaragua. We have a church down there. Okay. Our Nicaraguan friends, they watch every week online. Listen, in Nicaragua, you're making two, three dollars a day. Oh, but America sucks. Real bad. We have another ministry in Zimbabwe, okay, in Africa. Listen, you guys, if you haven't been into the neighborhoods in the huts where the Zimbabweans live, 
It, it just it, it makes me sick when I see all of the Americans that are blessed to live in this. I'm not saying we don't have problems. We have problems, but it is unfortunate and it is an illness that we are entitled because we're entitled. We're entitled just, we're entitled to anything. The only thing that God has called us to do is to walk in humility and to give our lives away for others. Life is not about you, it's not about me, it's about the King, it's about Jesus Christ. And until we figure that out, we're always gonna be left broken and empty. Jesus said this in Isaiah 66, 66, It says this, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. So what is humility? Humility is putting others first. Humility is compromising. Humility is finding middle ground. In a marriage, this is game changing. Hey, anybody married in here? Raise your hand. In a marriage, this is game changing. Finding middle ground. It's a give. It's a take. And when you don't, your marriage doesn't work very well, does it? So it is a give. If you're single today, and let me tell you something. It's such a weird irony that I meet people all the time that are married that wish they were single. And I meet people that are single that wish they were married. Right? Happens all the time. If you're single today... Learn to find content in Christ because your future mate is not going to make everything, every problem go away. Your content, your happy has to be established in the Lord. Humility compromises. It talks less about yourself and more about others. It gives everyone else the credit. One of the things I love about our team this year, we have a, this is, reminds me of the team we had back in the day, mid 2000s. You know, when we had Steve Nash and company who just got kicked out of the playoffs last night, thank God. But this team that we have always deflects the credit. I love that. Have you ever heard Coach Monty Williams? He's a man of God. He is a man of God. And they interview him and he goes, well, that's Coach Willie Green, my assistant coach. And he is the one and the reason for the defense. And he is the reason for our success today. If you listen to Chris Paul, he deflects the praise. Even if you listen to Devin, if you listen to DeAndre, they deflect the praise. Right? That's what humility does is it deflects it. It gives everyone else the credit and you take the blame. That's what humility is. I give you the credit. I take the blame. Humility is I admit my mistakes. That'll change your marriage too. I was wrong. I was wrong. And here's where I went wrong. Humility is being coachable. Being able to be told something, taught something. To be mentored by somebody. Humility doesn't know it all. Humility is willing and ready to learn. Okay, let's look at number three. Number three is that favor follows the faithful. Follows the faithful. Proverbs 3, it says this, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So again, here it is. It gives us the prescription. Let uh, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. 
It's all about love. It's all about faithfulness. Don't let them ever leave you. And then you will find favor with God and with man. That's, that's the combination. Love and faithfulness not only wins God's favor, but it wins the favor of man. And you need both in life. You need both. You need the favor of God and the favor of man. Like I said, meeting the right person, one, one person can change your life forever. Okay, so the faithful, now the faithful, let's talk about it. Because faithful, the word faithful has some depth to it. I want to give you some biblical depth to this word faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? I want you to write down A, B, and C. A, it means to be dependable. Faithful means I'm dependable. Right? If you're not depend, if I can't depend on you, then you're not faithful. So faithful is dependable. Remember the words of Jesus Christ. These aren't in your outline, but they're in Luke chapter 12. It says, for unto whomsoever is given much of him, much shall be what? Required. So whom is given much is required much. That's faithful. For some of you, you wonder why you're not getting that raise or that promotion. It's because you're not dependable. I know because I have employees, about 30 full-time employees at the church. And just because they're church employees doesn't mean they're all dependable. They're not. And what happens when you're a leader of leaders or you're a leader, a boss, a supervisor, when you want things to get done, you go to the people who are dependable. And it's kind of a bum deal because the people who are dependable end up with these gigantic workloads and the people that you can't count on, you don't really need them because you can't depend on them. You say, be there at nine and they get there at 10. You say, I want you to stay until six and they leave at 557. They can't wait to get out of there. Dependability. Okay? Dependability. Some people, you're never on time. Not even to church. Church starts at 9 a.m. Look at somebody and tell them 9. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. In my opinion, in my opinion, in my, that means 845. Whoever said that, that, hey, my football coach used to say, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're, you're late. Some of you need to figure that out before next Sunday. Because I'm always, I'm always like, yo, the music started and it's half full. But by the time I get up to preach, it's full. right? So when we start the music, there's 500 people in here for this service. And when we start the sermon, we're up to 1,000 people. Some of you can't even watch online on time. I mean, for you online people, I, I, I get online every week just to see, kind of check in and it'd be like, you know, there's 300 people at 9 a.m. And then there's 600 people at 945 or whatever the numbers are. You know, I don't, I don't, you guys, I don't understand. I don't understand. To me, the best part of the service is music. To me, the best part of the service, I'm not saying, the, I'm not saying, <laughs> listen, I'm, one thing I'm not is super insecure. So don't, don't, don't be like, well, you're good too. I, listen, I understand who I am. I'm good with it. But my favorite part is the music. And some of the funnest stuff we do is at the very beginning. And I'm ranting for no reason at this point because I already said what I need to say. But listen, the, the, the dependability is important. I want to give you the, the second thing, letter B. Okay? Faithful means to be responsible. Responsible. 
And this is the interesting thing. This is the way God works with responsibility. This is how he does it. Okay. Now, responsible means stewarding what God has given you. Okay. What has God given you? He's given you life. He's given you relationships. For me, he's given me a wife. He's given me children. He's given me a ministry. He's given me a Phoenix Suns ministry, an Arizona Cardinals ministry. Here's how this works. Here's how it works with God. He says this in Luke 16, 10. This is also not in your outlines, but it's in the word. He says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large things. But if you're not faithful in little things, you won't be given bigger things. So at Impact Church, I've got, like I said, maybe 30 employees, full-time employees. We have a ton of part-time employees. You know, I would say 85% of my staff started out as churchgoers at Impact Church, became key volunteers at Impact Church, a part of our dream team. Eventually, they volunteered so much and became so important to the ministry that we couldn't not hire them. Okay, so how many know our dream team is phenomenal at this church? It's so faithful is responsible. Listen, if I'm supposed to do A, B, and C, what I tell my kids is this. If I ask you to do 10 things, how many should you do? 11. That's just what I teach my kids. I'd rather go over than under. I'd rather go over than at. If you ask me to do 10 things, I'm going to do 11. That is a good steward. That is being responsible with what God has given us. So he says, again, in the same chapter, uh, in the same gospel, in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. He says, you've been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Some of you wonder why God's not opened the door for you to have more influence and affluence. Look at what you're stewarding right now and be faithful in the little. Okay, let's look at number three. Letter C, I should say. Letter C, to be faithful means to be available. I tell my staff repeatedly, listen to this statement. Responsibility, Jeremy, is availability. Responsibility is availability. I want to just speak to the 25 and unders. That means you answer a text message. If you have teenagers, if you have 20-year-olds, like, I, did you know I sent you a text four days ago? Like, responsibility is available. I tell my staff, if I can't get a hold of you, I don't need you. If I can't call you and you answer, if I can't text you and you answer in a timely manner, it doesn't work for me. It might work for you, but I get to say who works for me. And this doesn't work for me. So responsibility is availability. Man, God, I'm available. I'm available. What do you want from me? I'm available. And just like 
God availability. You can always count on God. He's always available for you. No matter what you're going through, no matter who you're going through it with, God is always on call and He's always available. He is faithful. He is the perfect model because He walks with you and the Bible says that He'll never leave you, never forsake you. Isn't that good news? That God will never leave us. Even if we try to walk away from Him for a while, He doesn't leave us. I want to close in prayer because i got to get down to the arena, do chapel. So the 9 a.m., you got to hear me live the next service. Sorry. But the good news is, same sermon, same dude, same Bible, same Holy Spirit, same screen, same stage, same message. Okay? So it's the same everything, but i got to, I got to get to the arena and make sure that we clip the clips. I've got to make sure we clip the clips. I won't tell you who, but about four weeks, five, six, eight weeks ago, somewhere in there, we actually had a Los Angeles Clipper player at church. He's a friend of mine, but he's my enemy today. I just want you to know he is my enemy. Father, we thank you for this great day. Lord, we want to win your favor. God, we do. God, we want your favor in our lives, in our hearts favor in our finances, favor in our careers, favor in our calling, favor in the friendships that we meet, the networks that we're working on. God, bring the right people into our lives. Keep the wrong people away from our lives. Lord, we just pray for favor, Father. God, we know that favor starts with the relationship with you, Jesus. And today, God, we just come before you and we surrender our hearts to you again. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I just want to invite you to do that right now. Just say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I want to live for you. Thank you for dying for me. And God, I I ask for your favor on my life. God, we thank you for our church family. We thank you for the freedom to own a Bible, the freedom to read the Bible, the freedom to worship you freely, the freedom to have church out in the open and not in the middle of the night hiding like so many places around the world have to do. God, we're thankful for the freedoms that we do have. God, we pray that our hearts would be free, our minds would be free. Father, we just pray that as we looked at your word last week and the week before that your anointing God, just flows in and through our lives, our families. God, for those that are married today, I pray for favor in their marriages, for humility. God, teach us humility. Teach us compromise. God, I pray for those that are single today. Lord, let us learn to be content in you. God, that we put our roots deep into the word of God, the ways of God. Build our lives, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, that we know that we don't even have to look for who you have for us because as we pursue you you're going to bring that person right into our lives at the right time god we just have to trust you so today god we put our trust in you we put our hope in you we pray this in jesus name we all say amen let's give jesus a round of applause today Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit www.impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us.
Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.